This is the Data Privacy Detective. Today we're going to talk about privacy and DeFi. Now don't, don't, don't uh, to tune out. DeFi, decentralized finance. There's a lot to learn here. And we're going to go through what it means and what it means for privacy and how it relates to blockchain technology. We have a wonderful guest, Anish uh, Mohammed. You're joining us from Singapore. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to join you. Well, it's an important conversation. Now, you're the, you're the co-founder, the chief technology officer, and the chief scientist of Panther Protocol. And Panther Protocol uh, could be described as a privacy-preserving infrastructure, protecting users' on-chain data, uh, on-chain data, and enabling compliant DeFi or decentralized finance access. Well, let's start with a, a couple of definitions uh, initially. When we say DeFi, we mean decentralized finance. And what comes to my mind are cryptocurrencies, other things that use uh, blockchain. Uh, is, is that a good starting point? Uh, I think it's one way to think about it. The thing that I would say that really started off uh, the, the, the decentralized finance thing was the creation of decentralized exchanges. So when you actually have a traditional exchange, you have a buyer and a seller, and you match the prices. You need you meet the you match the needs of somebody with somebody else, and then you can actually do the selling. And then there's this construct called constant function market making, which is kind of a thing that existed before. This wasn't something that was there just for crypto; it existed prior to that. But an instance of that got instantiated in the crypto space, and and it was called the DAX, decentralized exchange. And this really started. That really you know, the brought fire it to life, didn't it? The people absolutely, really started yeah, absolutely. talking about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right, and now this is based on a technology. Really, we call it blockchain, blockchain technology. And many people think that the that blockchain just doesn't have any privacy issue. That it avoids a lot of the problems because, uh, for example, in the typical buyer seller exchange, somebody says, "Well, here's my bank account information or my credit card number, or something," and off it goes, and somebody can intercept it. And now we've got identity theft and all sorts of problems. It, but but help us understand blockchain technology. Why why is that better? Uh, if if you think it is uh, from a privacy so. Oh, yeah. From a privacy perspective, I wouldn't say go that far. So there's two ways to think about it. One way to think about it is, is it possible for us to have privacy in the blockchain space? And the answer to that is yes. But in general, when you actually look at a public ledger, the term public implies all the information that is public. So if you have a public ledger, all the information that is public, essentially that implies you have no, you have no privacy. Yeah, can somebody who can get access to the public ledger and they uh, they can absolutely. do good things if they want to and and blockchain yeah, is different, right? Okay, so blockchain is this class of all things that actually contain blockchain. I mean, so, uh, ledgers in that sense. So the the term blockchain was put forward by Satoshi in, in his code base or while he was writing up his thing, which is like a, a logical sequence of blocks, and that's a blockchain. And so the blockchain could be public or private or kind of a hybrid. So there is nothing preventing anybody from having any of the structures. You can have a private blockchain, but in general, what we typically see, the Ethereums of the world, the Bitcoins of the world, uh, you know, other ones, Hedera, all those things are all public blockchains. Right. Now, turning to DeFi now, which is a kind of a subset, what, what are the privacy concerns of, uh, of DeFi? 
Oh, I mean, this is quite trivial. So imagine uh, you had a wallet. You have a wallet in your pocket which has some money, some card. And imagine when you walk through the street that this uh, you know, wallet is going to shout out loud everything you have done every time throughout your lifetime. So this would be the privacy implications of DeFi. So once you actually do transaction from your wallet, your wallet is actually known to everybody. And the thing is like, some of the wallet infrastructure like MetaMask actually collects and shares data with other people. And there are some other entities which are involved in analysis of uh, you know, uh, wallet addresses like chain analysis and elliptic. So when these, guys, these people actually track you down, effectively every transaction leaves a digital footprint. And when all these things are collected together, you as a personal, uh, as a personnel in that sense, in terms of your transaction over your lifetime, is visible to all people in all sense. So that's one part of the equation. The other part of the equation is like, typically we have the ability, if you are in a trade finance market, to have private strategies. So if you were to think about Renaissance Technologies, which is like a hedge fund, which apparently has like 40% APR kind of thing, 40% return, right? Nobody really knows why they do it and how they do it, right? So the yeah, they have their own strategy the, and they want to keep that absolutely. private, of course. Yes. Absolutely, private, yes. So this is not possible in the current structure of DeFi. So, you know, if you could actually do that, then we have the ability to do all the things that everybody has the ability to do now with the traditional finance and have the benefits of DeFi, which is like you don't have intermediaries, one sense of speaking. Between you and me, if you wanted to actually do a transaction, a traditional sense, if you, if you meet each other and we have the, uh, you, know, w- you know, buy and sell equivalence, we can actually do it. But in a DEX sense, we can actually do with anybody globally with no intermediaries. And so, the thing that's there is like because of the lack of intermediaries, the you know the charges that they accrue is very low. There's an amount of transparency. On the flip side of it, is no privacy. No privacy. Well, enter Panther Protocol. So tell us about it. What? So uh, what Panther Protocol does is uh, somewhat simple in one sense to speak. So Panther Protocol would actually provide uh, a user with the ability to go do KYC. So know your customer with the third party and the, uh, the third party would verify you with on a fido or somebody that of that kind will verify you all your credentials in that sense and then you would then come back to panther protocol to have an identity that's a private identity that has kyc and that al- would allow you to have like access to what i would describe as a dark pool on demand for DeFi with selective disclosure when i say selective disclosure it's like if you actually do a transaction and you want to reveal some bits of the transaction to IRS or HMRC in the UK, you can definitely go ahead and do that. That's in summary what we would do. Right. So you're 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 injecting a kind of pseudonymous or anonymous step in in the process, if I'm saying. And how does that help individuals or businesses keep their financial data and trading strategies protected? Okay, it's quite trivial. So imagine you had the airdrop of Arbitrum happening, and then you decide we two you are there. Uh, and there was one person who made a couple of million by just providing liquidity in liquidity pool. And now everybody knows that, who that is. So if he, if he or she was actually using Panther protocol, he or she might have been able to do, provide liquidity and still remain anonymous. They could uh-huh. be one among uh, thousands of users that are there or hundreds of thousands of users that are there. But at the same time, if they want to submit their tax returns and reveal it to IRS, they should have absolutely no problems. That's under, on the same note, they could also be KYC, right? That's what Panda would do for them. Very good. And now we hear about the, the phrase zero-knowledge proofs in the business. Help us understand what that means and how it relates to what we're talking about. 
Oh, it's very trivial. In fact, we almost touched upon it based on the number of users as such. So imagine you and I were in a room, in a room and that that's just one door. And I say to you that I have the ability to escape from this room without using the door. So I am the prover, you are the verifier. Now we are going to run this protocol in an interactive sense. So you and I get outside the room uh, through the door. And when I'm outside, you ask me to go in and you close the door behind me. And now, again, with, just to verify, I'm the prover, you are the verifier, you are stood outside. And after five minutes, you see me outside. Now, you as a verifier has verified the fact that I, as a prover, have the ability to escape from the room without using the door. But what you don't know, which is a zero knowledge part, is the fact that how I escape from the room. So this is zero knowledge proof. So now you let's keep your uh, escape uh, ability secret mechanism because secret. that's your trade Absolutely. secret if you're a business. Absolutely. It's your personal Absolutely. identity if you're an individual. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. So imagine this way the case and then uh, we have this uh, in a room that are like a 100,000 people, right? So if there's one party in a room and then you know there is one party, there's no privacy for that. If you have 100,000 people in a room, if one per party gets out, you have one in 100,000 chance of guessing who that is. So this is how a zero knowledge proof system would allow you to create a privacy set and provide you with a kind of shield, so it's an anonymity set. So you have a one in 100,000 chance of guessing correctly who you are. And that enhances privacy and, uh, and absolutely trade secret uh, and other important principles uh, in in yeah. uh, in finance. Well, let me yeah. let me turn to the last two questions for you, Anish. What's your top advice to businesses that use the blockchain technology in, in DeFi and and related fields? So one of the things I always say to anybody who actually uses blockchain is like, firstly, you know, before you choose a use case for blockchain. Be absolutely sure that the organic use case can support cryptoeconomic principles. And, you know, essentially what that means is like the normal mechanisms that's normally seen in the crypto world. This is like incentives and slashing and things of that sort. That's really available to you. And it's very much aligned to what you're doing. And B, that the, the value that you actually have in, in that use case is, uh, of, a, of the magnitude that the fee that's required on a, layer one, layer two could be co uh, covered undertaken. And uh, you know, if I were to say something more, it's like if you have a use case that requires a very high throughput, uh, really check if any of the layer ones could actually support you. That, that, that would be my, my two cents worth of advice. advice to to businesses. And let's turn to individuals. We all buy things, uh, subscribe to things, uh, uh, and so on. So we increasingly, uh, even if we don't know we're doing it, are engaged in the... DeFi, uh, that, that's what's happening over time. Uh, what are your top tips to uh, us individuals about uh, participating oh. in DeFi? Okay, so the first and the foremost thing I would say to anybody who actually is getting into DeFi is, you know, do your own research. Don't ever believe in any celebrities or anybody who claims they know what they're doing. Because there is, DeFi moves at, I would say, faster than rockets in that sense. You know, you know what I'm saying, right? Like literally at the pace by which nobody could be completely sure that they know every part of DeFi. So there's very unlikely that anybody could give you advice persistent to every part of DeFi. So if you want to get into DeFi, first and foremost thing to do is make sure you know the, the thing that, the, the instrument, the mechanism, the protocol that you are getting Number two, I would say, is like basic hygiene for security. So what this means is like, 
you know, get a hardware wallet, get, you know, make sure you actually do the key backups and all the things of that sort. So you don't end up with a situation where you, you get compromised by your wallet. And number three is like, before you put your money in, this is a standard thing that I should say to everybody does any investment. It's like, make sure this is something that you are willing to tolerate as a loss. So what I mean by that is like, don't sell your house and put it into DeFi. You know, a couple of dozen bucks, if you can afford to lose it, put that into DeFi. Excellent advice. Uh, nothing is risk-free. <laughs> You're Absolutely. Like, it's no free lunch here. One, one can, uh, both from an organizational and individual perspective, increase the uh, protection of one's uh, yep. business secrets and, and one's money and identity. Yep. Well, thank you so much, Anish, for taking a really important tour of, uh, of a field that's uh, with us to stay. It's, uh, we'll see where it all heads. And as always, I will close by reminding our listeners, protecting your personal data begins with you. 